0: Our Heavenly Father, we praise you for this Sabbath day and we ask for your Holy Spirit to be in our midst one more time, that you may speak to our hearts and please use me as your humble instrument. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I see many visitors here today, I just want to introduce myself really quick. My name is Giancarlo Miranda, I'm originally from Brazil, I've been working here in the island for about a year with Pastor Keala and the ministry, a, clear, um, a loud and clear call ministry. And I've been presenting a series on the last day events. Some of you will have to swim with us as we move in this topic. We cover about the shaking in God's church and to, today, the presentation today, which is the ceiling, and the time of trouble, we will use some previous knowledge from the previous presentation, but I try to present in a such a way that everyone can follow. And I have to talk also about the latter rain before we get into this topic. One time I preached in this church about the early and the latter rain. I will do a recap. But again, if you have any questions about the latter rain, please ask me after the message, because I'm trying to move to this topic over here. And the latter rain is just like a um, a side topic that we'll include in this presentation. So when we study about the early and the latter rain, we learned that the early rain... Is for victory over sin. I'll put here early rain. For victory over sin and the latter rain will bring the final molding in our character, Christian perfection. And we also learned that Christian perfection and victory over sin are two different things. Victory over sin, of course, we have victory over every sin that we may have in our lives perhaps non-sins or unknown sins, the Holy Spirit will reveal to us and we can have victory over sin under the early rain. So I'll put here victory over sin. And the latter rain will bring the Christian perfection. When we study about this topic, we learn we learned that there is a development that takes place under the latter rain that did not take place under the early rain. So, early rain, victory over sin, the latter rain brings maturity, Christian perfection. And we also learned that the early rain is to preach the gospel. And the latter rain is to finish the preaching of the gospel. There is a slight difference over there. Finish. I just put here finish the work. The work of saving soul and preaching the gospel. We also learned that the latter rain is a season. I want you to repeat this word with me. The latter rain is a what? Season. Not a day, not an event. It means that the latter rain will not fall in a single day and that's it. It begins to fall and there is a season. There is a beginning of the season and the end of the season. We also learned that the latter rain is available for us today. It doesn't mean that the church has received But it is available for us. When we obtain victory over sin and claim the promise of the latter rain, the latter rain will fall even in our days. It is available for us today. We learned that the latter rain is not waiting for the national Sunday law to pass in order to fall. I know there are some rumors in Adventism that the national Sunday law comes first. And God's people will be so scared they will pray really hard and the latter rain will fall. I particularly don't believe that fear will bring the latter rain. I particularly don't believe that the latter rain is waiting for the National Sunday Law. I believe that what will bring the National Sunday Law is actually the latter rain. When God's people receive the latter rain, they will proclaim the message with power to the world and as an attentive to stop the loud cry under the power of the letter rain, the National Sunday Law will be passed. And when we talked about, about National Sunday Law, we are not talking about Sunday Law in Germany, Croatia, in Africa, we are talking about a prophetic event described in the book The Great Controverse. It begins in the United States of America and goes to the rest of the world. Are you following? Okay, so here you have the latter rain season begins before the National Sunday Law. And because God's people are preaching with power, National Sunday Law is passed. But the, the latter rain season continues. Those that heed the message and come out of Babylon, the fallen churches of Babylon, those that do not believe the way we believe, but they are sincere and accept the message, they will also receive the latter rain to finish the work with faithful Seventh-day Adventists. Just to review one more time, faithful Seventh-day Adventists receive the latter rain first, they proclaim the message to the world with power, and as they are proclaiming, National Sunday Law is passed, and they call people to come out of Babylon. As people come out of Babylon, they also partake of the latter rain. So the latter rain, it will fall before the National Sunday Law, and it will fall after the National Sunday Law. Are you following? Okay, having this understanding that the latter rains a season, not a day, let's move to this topic, the sealing and the, and the time of trouble. We want to answer questions like, what is the seal of the living God? The Bible talks about many seals, and we want to identify what is the seal that will be placed upon the forehead of the servants of, of our God in the last days. Question number two. What is the purpose of the seal? Why God's people need to be sealed in the last days? Question number three. When does the sealing take place? And I think this is very important. If we can have the chronology of the sealing, we will avoid many winds of doctrines that are blowing upon Adventism today. And we talked about winds of doctrine during the shaking. That's one phase of the shaking. And number four. Who will receive the seal of God? So, four questions. I want you to turn your Bibles with me to the book of Revelation, chapter 7. Let's turn there. It's talking about the seal over there, the sealing of God's people in the last days. Revelation, chapter 7. When you get there, please say, Amen. Okay, the Bible says, And after these things, I saw how many angels? Four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the, uh, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. So let's meditate upon this passage. There are four angels. Where are they standing? Four corners of the earth. What is the four corners of the earth? North, south, east, and west, right? And what are they doing there? they are holding back, how many winds? Four winds of the four corners of the earth. And we know that winds in Bible prophecy means what? Strive, destruction, desolation. How do you know that? Any Bible verse? Anyone can show a Bible verse to back that up? Okay, no problem. So let's try keep your fingers here in Revelation chapter seven and let's go to Proverbs chapter one verse seven really quick. Proverbs chapter one and verse seven. I want you to see from the Bible what winds represent in Bible prophecy. When you get there, please say amen. amen. Okay, maybe Lloyd, could you read that verse for us? Proverbs Excuse me. So, your destruction comes like a what? World wind. World wind, right? So, we see that in Bible prophecy, winds symbolize destruction. But think with me, if these angels are holding how many winds again? Four, four winds of the four corners of the earth, what kind of destruction are they holding? World-wide World destruction, are you following? So they are holding the destruction of the whole earth, and I want you to see what takes place in the next verse, going back to Revelation chapter 7, verse 2. Notice what the Bible says there, Revelation chapter 7, verse 2. And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God, and he cried with a loud voice to the four angels, to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, verse 3, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. I want you to meditate upon the picture. Here you have four angels standing in the four corners of the earth, holding the destruction of the whole earth, and as the winds are about to go, another angel fly and say, Hold on. Why? Because the servants of of our God has not yet been sealed implying that the servants of God cannot go through that destruction without the seal. Are you following? That's why the angel says, hold on. They need to be sealed and then you guys can let go of the winds. Are you following? Okay. So the seal is implying here that the seal will give protection for God's people during that destruction. It is a promise of God to protect His people. And, and of course the Bible says, having the seal of the living God. Did you notice that? The seal of the living God. Not the dead God, but the living God. I want to emphasize in this name, living God, the seal of the living God, because the Bible talks about several seals. One seal is found in Ephesians. If I'm not mistaken, it's Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. It talks about the seal of redemption. You know what is the seal of redemption? The Holy Spirit. The seal of redemption. Everyone that accepts Christ By faith, they have the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen for that? Therefore, they have the seal of redemption, meaning that they will be saved. But that is not the seal of the living God that will be placed upon the servants of our God in the last days. The Bible also talks about another seal. I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter 8 and verse 16. Isaiah chapter 8 verse 16 When you get there please say amen. amen okay the bible says there bind up the testimony seal the what the law among my disciples so the law of god is also a seal can you see that from the bible but that is not the seal of the living god is there any other seal in the bible that you know the Sabbath, right? In Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 12, it says, I gave them my Sabbath as a sign that I am the Lord that sanctified them. Therefore, the Sabbath is the sign of sanctification, but it's not the sign or the seal of the living God. Are you following? We want to know what is this seal that will be placed upon the servants of our God in the last days, which is the seal of the living God. So we have in the Bible four seals so far. The Holy Spirit, the seal of redemption, all those that will be saved has the seal of redemption, the Holy Spirit. And then we saw that the law is also a seal, and when you keep the law, you will receive the seal of the Sabbath, the the seal of sanctification, which is the Sabbath, and then you have the seal of the living God. That's what we want to know what it is. That is very important, because some people mix that seal that, uh, that God's people will receive in the last days with the Sabbath which is not. I want you to see what inspiration says. It is not any seal or mark that can be seen, but a settling to the truth, both intellectually and spiritually, so they cannot be what? Moved. So this seal, it is a settling to the truth, not only intellectually, meaning that you understand the truth, but also what? spiritually so we should not only emphasize in intellectual but we should not also only emphasize in the spiritual but there is a balance over there can you see that and in fact I have found that people that have a lot of Bible knowledge they are very prideful so you know an intellectual knowledge of the truth will not save you unless it leads you to surrender your life to Jesus Christ are you following So we need to be settled into the truth, both intellectually and spiritually, so we will not be moved. This is the seal that will be placed upon God's people in the last days. Of course, when you receive, going back to the previous slide, when you accept Christ by faith, you receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will guide you into how many truths? All truths. You will keep the law of God, and by keeping the law of God, you will find out about the Sabbath. And as you grow in grace, you will be settled into the truth, both intellectually and spiritually, so you will not be moved. And that is the seal that will happen in the last days before that destruction takes place. Are you following? Okay, let's move in our study. What is the purpose of the seal? Here you have a passage that answers this question. Those who receive the seal of the living God and are, what is the next word there? Protected. Protected in the time of trouble, must reflect the image of Jesus fully. Did you see that? So the seal is actually a protection. God's saying, yes, I will bring judgment upon upon the world. I have done everything to save them. Now I will bring judgment upon the world, but I want to protect you. And he offers the seal of the living God. Amen? Okay, it is a promise of God that he wants to protect you from that destruction. Question number three. When does the sealing take place? We want to know the chronology of the sealing, and that is very important. You need to stay with me here. And has a question there. Before or after the latter rain? What do you think? When will the seal of the living God take place? Before the latter rain or after the latter rain? You think it's after? Anyone think it's before? You think it's before? Good. So let's see what inspiration says. Before the work is closed up, meaning the close of probation. And the sealing of God's people is finished. Something will take uh, place before the close of probation and the sealing. What is it? We shall receive the what is the next word there? Outpouring of the Spirit of God. And that outpouring of the Spirit of God is referring to the letter rain. So what comes first? The letter rain or the ceiling? The latter rain comes first, and the ceiling of the living God comes after. Do you see that from that statement? Yes or no? You can say no, you can disagree with me, and we can meditate upon it. Um, I'll read one more time. Before the work is closed up and the ceiling, something will take place before the close of probation and the ceiling. What is it? We shall receive. The outpouring of the Spirit. Therefore, the outpouring of the Spirit is before the sealing and the close of probation. So, letter rain comes first, and the sealing of the living God, the seal of the living God comes sometime after the letter rain. Okay, let's continue. Um, notice this statement those who receive the seal of the living God and are protecting in a time of trouble must reflect the image of Jesus. What is the next word there? Fully. If you are here in the study of the latter rain, we know that the latter rain is the rain that brings God's people to perfection, to fully reflect the image of Jesus. Therefore, the sealing will take place after God's people receive the latter rain, because they receive the latter rain, they reflect the image of Jesus fully, and then they can be sealed. Okay continue to meditate upon the chronology when does the ceiling take place before or after the national Sunday law meditate upon the question and what do you think after the Sunday law anyone think it's the opposite I said it so let's see what inspiration says amen Okay, next statement. The image of the beast, and I'm going to assume that you have a, a knowledge on this, will be formed before the probation close, before Jesus finished the intercession for us. For it is to be the great test for the people of God by which their eternal destiny will be decided. And notice what Ellen G. White quotes over there. Revelation 13, 11-17. You know what is found there? The mark of the beast, the National Sunday Law. So she says that this will be the test for God's people. Notice what she says now. She says now, this is the test, meaning National Sunday Law is the test that the people of God must have what? Before they are sealed, implying that the sealing will take place after the National Sunday Law. So, I will show you a slide that has the chronology, but let's, uh, let's try to put this together. Another question, when does the sealing take place? Before or after the close of probation? What do you think? Before. I, I see that uh, we are on the same page on this one. Notice what it says, the living righteous will receive the seal of God prior to the close of probation. Very simple, right? Prior to the close of probation, the, the, the work of Jesus in the most holy place, God's people will be sealed. Notice this statement here. It's a long statement. I want you to follow along with me. An angel with a rider's incorn, this is the language of Ezekiel 9, by his side returned from the earth and reported to Jesus that his work was done and the saints were numbered and what? Sealed. So meditate upon this. This angel, the angel of Ezekiel 9, he sealed the servants of our God and numbered them, and then he goes back to heaven. So notice what takes place now. Then I saw Jesus, who had been ministering before the ark, containing the Ten Commandments, throw down the censer, meaning that intercession is over. He raised his hand and with a loud voice said, It is done. And all the angelic host laid off their crowns as Jesus made the solemn declaration. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. So what uh, what I want you to see from this statement is this. The sealing takes place, the angel goes to Jesus and says, Jesus, I finished the work. Immediately, Jesus throws down the censer, meaning intercession is over, probation is closed, and he says, it is done. He that is filthy, let him be filthy, still meaning after this, nobody else can be saved. Are you following? Why am I saying this? Because you will see that there are certain teachings that say that the servants of our God is sealed, and we will see it's the 144,000, and then the angel goes to Jesus, and still there is more preaching of the gospel, when there is not. Jesus Christ threw down the censer, and make the declaration, it is done, And it's not saying that it's done for seven-day Adventists here or anything like this. It's a general language. And he that is filthy, let him be filthy still. He that is just, let him be just still. Everything has been decided in this point. Are you following? There is no more preaching of the gospel after the servants of our God are sealed. Okay, let's move on now. I want you to see this slide here. And I will put all our previous study together. We study about the shaking. There are three phases of the shaking. Excuse me. There are three phases of the shaking. Um, The shaking of false teachings that we are living right now. The uh, The shaking of the straight testimony that we are living right now. And we also learned that these two phases of the shaking, it is a spiritual shaking. What do I mean by that? It means that many people are being deceived by false teachings, but they are still in the church. They are spiritually shaken, they are not grounded in the truth, but they are still among God's people. Are you following? The straight testimony, many people reject the straight testimony, they rise against the straight testimony, they do not want to hear the straight testimony, but they are still in the church because it is a spiritual shaking. They are not grounded into the truth. But when it comes to the third phase of the shaking, it is a physical shaking, when those that, are, um, that has not been sanctified will be weed out from among the church. And we are living this phase when the early rain is falling. However, the latter rain is available when we overcome every point, be the price what it may, and claim the promise of the latter rain. The latter rain is available. God's people receive the latter rain first. And they proclaim the first angel's message. This AM stands for angel's message. Under the power of the latter rain. The three angels' message must be proclaimed in order. They start proclaiming, fear God and give glory to Him for the hour of His judgment is come. Calling people to give glory to God. And what gives power to their message is their lives, their character. So they preach the first angel's message under the power of the latter rain, and this raise opposition, and as an attentive to stop the loud cry, national Sunday law is passed. That's when begins the third phase of the shaking, and there is a need to proclaim Babylon is falling, because they receive the light, but yet they pass a national Sunday law to stop the loud cry, Babylon is falling, come out of her, my people and the latter rain season continues. And we will see that the latter rain season finish after the close of probation. And I will explain expound more on that. And then you have the ceiling prior to the close of probation. And when close of probation happens, he that is filthy, let him be filthy still. He that is just, let him be just still. And then we will see the uh, time of trouble, which is the seven last plagues and the second coming of Jesus. We will come back to this slide, and let's continue in our study. I will open for a question. I see some uh, hands raising. I will open for a question in a minute. Where is the clause of probation in the Bible? We already saw Revelation 22, verse 11, that passage that says, He that is filthy, let him be filthy still, and he that is just, let him be just still. That is the clause of probation. And you also had Daniel, chapter 12, verse one, when Michael, do what? Stand up. stand up, right? But I know for some of you it doesn't mean much. What does it mean, Michael, stand up, probation, clothes. Why is it? Very simple. I will just give you some Bible verses. You make your homework. If you go to Hebrews chapter uh, 8, verse 1, you will see that Michael, Jesus Christ, he sat down at the right hand of God as a high priest. Meaning that he's in the heavenly sanctuary, sitting down at the right hand of God as a high priest, what is he doing there? Romans chapter 8, verse 34. For those that are taking notes, Romans chapter 8, verse 34, it says what he's doing in the right hand of God, intercession for us. So Jesus Christ sitting down at the right hand of God as a high priest means that he's interceding for his people. Are you following? So when he stand up, it's just the opposite of sitting down. Sitting down, intercession. Stand up, intercession is over. And you have an example in the Bible. I want you to sing Acts chapter 7. Turn there with me. Acts chapter 7. I believe it's verse 56. Acts chapter 7. Do you remember the close of probation for the Jewish nation in the end of the 70 weeks prophecy? Remember that prophecy? Yes or no? Okay. So probation closed for the Jewish nation in the year 34 AD. I want you to see what Jesus was doing in that day. And we know what close, uh, that event was uh, marked by the stoning of who? Stephen, right? Notice what Jesus was doing in that day. In verse 56, if I'm not mistaken, and said, Behold, I see the heavens open, this is Stephen speaking, and the Son of Man, doing what? Standing, standing on which side? The right. On the right hand of God. So in the day that probation closed for the Jewish nation, Jesus Christ was not sitting down. He was standing, implying that it is over. Are you following? So in the last days, when, probate, when Michael stands up, Probation close, and I want you to see what takes place uh, next. Go to Daniel chapter 12, verse 1. Daniel chapter 12, and verse 1. When you get there, please say Amen. amen. The Bible says, And at that time shall Michael stand up, the close of probation the great prince which standeth for the children of my people and there shall be a time of what trouble, trouble. so the time of trouble begins when when michael stand up or you can say when probation. probation close following probation close time of trouble begin i want you to see now from the bible the different names that the time of trouble receives Go to Zephaniah chapter 1. Zephaniah is after, uh, way after Daniel. One of the minor prophets, not in importance, but in size. Zephaniah chapter 1. And verse 15. When you get there, please say amen. It says there, that day is a day of, what is the next word there? Wrath, a day of what? Trouble Trouble and distress. We can start right here. Can you see that the the day of trouble is also called the day of wrath? Do you see that? Yes? Meaning, I know, you know, I I don't want to lose you right now. Meaning that these two terminologies are interchangeably in the Bible. Yes or no? Do you see that? okay therefore I can say you know the day of trouble or the day of wrath interchangeably, the same thing so having that in mind I want you to turn to Revelation chapter 15 Revelation chapter 15 because when Michael stand up we have the time of trouble which also called a day of wrath In Revelation 15, verse 1, it says there, And I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven, what? Last plagues, for in them is filled up the, what is the next word? The wrath wrath of God. Do you see that? The wrath of God. Therefore, when Michael is stand up, you know what comes next? the wrath of God or the time of trouble which is the seven last plagues, are you following? probation close, seven last plagues but it doesn't stop there, the time of trouble, the day of wrath turn with me to the book of Revelation chapter 6 in chapter 6 of Revelation I want you to see one more event which is also called the day of wrath which we saw is the same day in the time of trouble chapter 6 of Revelation And I'm going to read from verse 16, assuming that you know the context, it's talking about the second coming of Jesus in these verses, beginning 14. But let's go to verse 16 now. And it said to the mountains, the wicked, and rocks, follow us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the, what is the next word? Wrath of the Lamb for the great day of his wrath is come and who shall be able to, stand. So we see that the second coming is also called the day of wrath. Therefore when Michael stand up, probation close, you have seven last plagues and then what is the next event? Second coming of Jesus. Yes or no? Okay. I want to read this statement. Please follow with me as I read. Just before we entered in enter it, the time of trouble. I didn't put there the time of trouble. It is an inspiration. We all received the what? The seal of the living God. Then I saw, I think we read this one, right? Then I saw the four angels cease to hold the four winds. Who received the seal of the living God? Turn with me to Revelation chapter seven. We already talked about this, but let's see from the Bible. Revelation chapter 7, beginning verse 3. It says, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. And I heard the number of them which were sealed, And there were sealed 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel. So who were sealed, according to the Bible? The 144,000. And it says, from all the tribes of Israel. If they are from the tribe of Israel, what nationality are they? And don't get too nervous, I'm going to talk about this, okay? Okay, they are what? If they are from Israel, they are what? they're Israelites or or Jews, right? However, you know, for those that have been in my studies on Wednesday, we have to use now the transfer of the covenant. I'm gonna explain very uh, quick for you. It's a principle of how to study the Bible. Okay, I don't want you to be lost now. I know it's a new concept for some of you. In the Old Testament, listen carefully, in the Old Testament, things were literal, and local. I'll give an example. Babylon in the old testament is literal Babylon, a literal nation located in a specific area. Isn't that true? Yes or no? But when it goes to the New Testament, it's no longer literal Babylon but spiritual Babylon, not located in a specific area, but located all over the world. It is worldwide. Are you following? So when, when God tells his people call my people out of Babylon, you know, tell the Adventist people to call his people out of Babylon. Don't expect to see literal Babylonian people coming out of Babylon. So it is a spiritual language now. We see also that in the Old Testament, God's people, there were literal Jews located in a specific area. Isn't that true? But when we go to the New Testament, God's people are spiritual jewels located all over the world I want to, uh, to show you a few Bible verses go with me to the book of Romans chapter 2 Romans chapter 2 and beginning verse 28 and pay attention very close in the language of this verse it will tell you who are the Jews in the New Testament beginning in verse 28 in chapter 2 it says for he is not a Jew which is one outwardly neither is that that circumcision which is outward in the flesh 29 but he is a Jew the definition of a Jew which is one what inwardly, inwardly and circumcision is that of the what heart, heart in the spirit and not in the Letter whose praise is not of man but of God. So, according to the Bible, a Jew is he that is circumcised in the heart. Another Bible verse. Go with me to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. And verse. Beginning in verse 26. Very powerful verse here. Beginning in verse 26, the Bible says, For you are all the children of God, how? By faith in Christ Jesus. Verse 28 now. There is neither, what? Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, There is neither male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus, now 29. And if you be Christ, then are ye what? Abraham's seed and hares according to the promise. According to this verse, those that accept Christ by faith, even though they are not Jews by blood, they are considered Abraham's seed yes or no can you see that okay let's continue with our Bible study the people of God symbolized by a holy woman and her children were represented as greatly in the minority in the last days only what is the next word there a remnant still exists. Let's stop right here. I want to highlight something that perhaps some of you heard, some of you never heard, but I want to talk about this. It says very clear that the people of God is symbolized by a holy woman, but not only that, and her what? Children. And how much are they? Both the woman and the children. Were represented as greatly in the minority. You will see why I'm highlighting this, because sometimes people make the difference between the woman and the children. The woman are um, just a few people and the children is a, a multitude of people. But I want to highlight that that's not what this statement is saying. It's saying that the woman and the children, that is God's people in the last days, they are represented greatly in the minority, in the last day just a remnant still exists. So let's talk about the 144,000 here. Before we get divided uh, whether this number is literal or symbolic, I want to say this. If you believe this number is literal, 144,000, every time you see 144,000, you leave it literal. But if you believe it's symbolic, every time you see that number, 144,000, you have to put great minority or a remnant. Are you following? So God's people in the last days, the 144,000, it is just a remnant. Let's continue in our study. Why are they in such a small company? Why is God's people like such a small, you know, number of people in these last days? A great minority or 144,000? Let's say some statements. There are several reasons for that. We study about the shaking. The shaking of God blows away how many? Multitudes. Multitudes, like dry leaves, prosperity multiplies a mass of professors. Adversity, talking about National Sunday Law, purges them out of the church. So one reason for such a small minority is the shaking that will blow away multitude of professors that profess to believe in the Adventist faith, to stand in defense of truth and righteousness when the, what is the next word? Majority forsake us to fight the battle of the Lord when the temples are how many? Few, this will be our test. I see this passage as a promise, actually. There will be few in the last days that will stand for the truth. Amen. Another reason for such a small number of people in the last days. The Lord has often instructed, that, uh, instructed me that many little ones, children, are to be laid away before the time of trouble. We shall see our children again. So what this passage is saying that in the last days, the Lord will allow many children to go to sleep because they cannot endure the time of trouble. It's not saying that children cannot go through the time of trouble I believe that many children will be part of the 144,000 but perhaps not all of them can endure the time of trouble and out of mercy the Lord will allow them to go to sleep but we will see our children again amen another reason for such a small number in these last days he knows the Lord knows whether or not Those for whom petitions are offered would be able to endure the trial and test that would come upon them if they lived. Talking about sickly people, that the church had been praying for them, the Lord knows if I heal them, how is he going or she is going to react during the time of trouble? Is it going to be good or bad? This verse is not saying that the Lord cannot heal sickly people, but he heals according to his foreknowledge whether it's going to be good for you or not. So continue the same passage. Many will be laid away to sleep before the fiery order of the time of trouble shall come upon our world. So that is another reason. Let's recap a little bit. You have three phases of the shaking when multitudes of professors 7 Seventh-day Adventists will be shaken out of the church. And then you have the Lord will allow many children to go to sleep also, sickly people that, according to his foreknowledge, if he heals them, they cannot endure the time of trouble. Another reason for such a small number in the last days, when this grand work is to take place in the battle prior to the last closing conflict, many will be in prison, many will flee for their lives from cities and towns, and many will be what martyrs for Christ's sake, in standing in the fence of truth. That is another reason many, many people will choose to give their lives than to compromise and break the law of God. But of course there are people joining us in the last days. What is the first word of that statement? Thousands, Thousands right? It doesn't say millions or billions. Thousands in the eleventh hour, you probably know the parable of Jesus, the eleventh hour workers, the one that comes in the last minute to help to finish the work, right? So these are the people coming out of Babylon that will help God's people to finish the work. They are thousands, not millions. Thousands in the eleventh hour will see and acknowledge the truth. These conversions to the truth will be made with a rapidity that will surprise the church and God's name alone will be glorified. So we will see that in these last days thousands will come but I want to tell you this as they come many of these thousands are children and perhaps the Lord will allow some of them go to sleep. Many of these thousands that will come are sickly people and the Lord out of mercy will allow them to sleep. Many of these thousands that will come will be martyrs for the faith. So the number is being reduced. So when probation closes, when you have the seal and then follows the closing of probation, you have just the 144,000, or as some prefer, greatly in the minority, just a remnant left. What about the great multitude? Why am I bringing this up? Um, there are some teachings that says that the seal of the 144,000 takes place and then the 144,000 go into the world and bring in the great multitude. So far in our studies we see that this cannot be. Why? Because the seal takes place just prior to the close of probation. Right? They are sealed. What is the next event? The angel goes to Jesus and says, I have sealed the servants of our God and numbered them. And then Jesus throws out the censor and says, it is done. He that is just, let him be just still. And that is filthy, let him be filthy still. So there is no more preaching of the gospel when the 144,000 uh, is sealed. So let's talk about the great multitude. So where are they right now? Notice this statement. He, talking about Christ, when he resurrected from the dead, presents to God the wave sheaf those raised with him as a representatives of their what great multitude who shall come forth forth from where the grave at his second coming so according to this passage those that are resurrected with Christ was a representative of those that will be raised at the second coming of Jesus and they are called the great multitude another statement of here before I go to this statement we read remember the passage of Isaiah 53 verse 11 let's turn there let's turn our Bibles there Isaiah 53 verse 11 and I need you to use your brain on this passage amen I don't hear amen (laughs) you don't want to use your brain after lunch after potluck No one want to use their brain. Okay, Isaiah fifty-three, verse eleven. When you get there, please say amen. Amen. He, Jesus, shall see of the travail of his soul. Stop right here. What is the travail of the soul of Jesus? What is he referring to? I'm sorry. The burden of sin, right? Referring to his death, right? Dying for the sins of the world. That is the travail of Jesus. Continuing. And shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous, Jesus, my righteous servant, justify many, forgive many. For he shall bear their iniquities. So, according to this verse, Jesus Christ, when He sees the result of His travail, His death on the cross, He will be satisfied. And I want to believe that the result of the travail of the soul of Jesus are all those that will be justified, according to the context, right? All those that will be saved. Are you following? From the days of Adam, all the way to the close of probation. That is the result of the travail of the soul of Jesus, his death on the cross. So having that in mind, I want you to to read this next statement. Then, in the result of his work, Christ will behold it is recompense. What is the recompense of the work of Christ? In that great multitude which no man could number, Presented faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, he whose blood has redeemed and whose life has taught us shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. According to this passage, the travel of the soul of Jesus is the work, the result of his work is the great multitude which no man can number. Meaning That the great multitude is all those from the days of Adam to the end of time that will be saved. Yes or no? Okay. Let's continue in our study. I had something, but just forgot. What is so unique about the 144,000? Let me tell you a story, and then we'll see some statements. The plan of salvation is all about God trying to restore man to his original state. And he begins step by step. That's how he does in our lives. Amen? Mm -hmm. Step by step. That's why you see righteous people in the Bible with several wives, but yet God called them righteous because it was not time to deal with that. That's why you see righteous men in the Bible, exercising intemperance, drunk with wine, but yet God calls them righteous. It was not time to deal with that yet. And God started leading His people, step by step. Now in these last days, the last step, when he, He raised the Adventist movement, which is to complete the work of salvation. The generation that has more light than has ever been shed upon the face of the earth. God will finish the process of restoration. He will complete the plan of salvation. And the 144,000 is that final product of the plan of salvation. The fullness of Christ. So when he has that people, the angel tells Jesus, we have the people. And Jesus says, it is done. He that is filthy, let him be filthy still, he that is righteous. Let him be righteous still. So the 144,000, they vindicate the character of God. How? How? God said that everyone could keep the law of God perfectly. Satan said, that's not true. Now you have the 144,000 proving to the whole universe that the grace of God is sufficient for us. Amen? When Satan is saying, no, now we will see the dust of the earth. That's why God made us out of the dust of the earth to show that even the dust of the earth can keep the law of God if they surrender their lives to Christ. Amen? They vindicate the the character of God. And there is one more thing. And if you don't get that, it's okay. You may have an indigestion now. The 144,000, because of them, everybody else can be resurrected. Why? The 144,000, they prove that if others that die in the faith, if they would have had the same opportunity that the 144,000 had, if they would have had the same light that the 144,000 had, they would also attain the same perfection that the 144,000 attained. So the 144,000 and the rest that is dead, the faithful one dead, that is waiting for the second coming, both of them, they are under the same grace, the same power, the same gospel. But the 144,000, they finish the race and gives the right to everybody to be resurrected. You will see people like Martin Luther, L.N.G. White says that he will be saved, but yet Martin Luther believed in the doctrine of persecution. Did you know that? <laughs> he also exercised a lot of habits of intemperance, like eating pork and drinking wine. But if he had the same opportunity and the same perhaps time that the 100, uh, 144,000 had, he also could be or attain the same experience they attained. So the 144,000 gives the right for Christ to resurrect everyone else. Amen? That's why it's done. Let's read this. It's almost in the end. And then I'll take some questions. With the Lamb upon Mount Zion having the harps of God they stand the 144,000 that were redeemed from among men and they sing a song before the throne a song which what no man can learn save the 144,000 continuing it is the song of Moses and the lamb a song of deliverance none how many None but the 144,000 can learn that song. For it is the song of their what? Experience. An experience such as no other company have ever had. It doesn't say experience such as no other person, but it says other company has ever had. I want you to, let's meditate upon this. The 144,000, they know how to sing a song that nobody else knows. And you could say, you know, just teach me and I'll sing it, right? But in heaven, there is no hypocrites in heaven. People sing from the heart. It is the song of their experience. They don't dare to sing other people because if they sing, They would be lying. You know when people sing, Seeking the lost and pointing to Jesus. People like this, the 144,000, when they sing that song, it's because they seek the lost. I surrender all. People must sing from the heart. What experience is this? Let's see. These are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever he goes. These having been, been translated from the earth from among the what? The living. No other company has been translated from among the living. Yes, there was persons like Elijah, Enoch, but no company. Continuing are counted as the first fruit unto God and to the Lamb. We're going to talk about the first fruit. These are they which came out of what? The great tribulation. They have passed through the time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation. They have endured the anguish of the time of Jacob's trouble. They have stood without an intercessor through the final outpouring of God's judgment, the seven last plagues. So what are their experiences? Translate from among the living, pass through the time of trouble, endure the anguish of Jacob's uh, time of trouble, stood without an intercessor. So from the close of probation all the way to the second coming, there was no more intercession. But they are sealed, meaning they, they attain the experience that they will not be moved. We talked about this already. So let's continue to read this statement. Soon we heard the voice of God like many waters, which gave us the day and the hour of Jesus' coming. The living saints, 144,000 in number, knew and understood the voice, while the wicked thought it was a thunder and an earthquake. This is during the time of trouble. When God spoke the time, He poured upon us what? The Holy Ghost. Here you have the closing of the latter rain season after the close of probation. And for those that study about the latter rain, that is another purpose of the latter rain, to enable the 144,000 to go through the time of trouble. Not to preach, but to strengthen them to go to the time of trouble. Okay, that is the closing of the season. So there you can see again the latter rain season beginning before the National Sunday Law And going all the way to the time of trouble to strengthen God's people to go through the time of trouble. I want you to notice that, you know, we as Seventh day Adventists, again, one more time, let me repeat this and emphasize this. Our focus sometimes is on the beast we want to see which beast will move first. If it is the papacy, or if it is the United States of America. And we are waiting these beasts to bring about the National Sunday Law. And we hear about National Sunday Law like for decades, or we can say even a century, since 1888. But it never passes. I believe it is Satan's purpose to keep God's people Always look into the beast. It is the National Sunday Law that will bring about all the last day events that we know as a people. It is the National Sunday Law that brings the latter rain, the persecution, uh, the close of probation, the seven last plagues. When it is not, it is the latter rain. We must claim the promise of the latter rain. And we must allow the Holy Spirit to guide our lives and to use us, not us to use the Holy Spirit. Amen? It is available for us. Continuing. Soon our eyes were drawn to the east, for a small black cloud had appeared, about a half as large as a man's hand, which we all knew was the sign of the Son of Man. Then we all cried out, who shall be able to stand is my robe spotless then the angel ceased to sing and there was some time of awful silence when Jesus spoke those who have clean hands and pure hearts shall be able to stand my grace is sufficient for you then Jesus silver trumpet sounded as he descended on the cloud wrapped in flames of fire He gazed on the graves of the sleeping saints, then raised his eyes and hands to heaven and cried, Awake, 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 ye that sleep in the dust and arise. Then there was a mighty earthquake. The graves opened and the dead came up clothed with immortality. The 144,000 shouted, Hallelujah, as they recognized their friends who had been torn from them by death and in the same moment we were changed and caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air okay I wanna answer a few questions and then I'll open one question is this that's the question sometimes Ellen G. White, she speaks as though she is among the 144,000 which is true. There are special resurrections, right? Special resurrection of the wicked, those that pierced Jesus. They will be resurrected to see Jesus coming back in the clouds of heaven. And there is a special resurrection of those that died in the faith of the three angels' message. Question, did Ellen G. White die in the faith of the three angels' message? Yes or no? Yes. So she will be resurrected just prior to the second coming of Jesus. And she is among the 144,000, but she is not one of them. Like, just for the sake of an example, I am Brazilian. I am among you but I'm not one of you as far as nationality. Is that clear? Right? So the same. Those people that will be resurrected because they died in the face of the three angels' message just prior to the second coming of Jesus, to see Jesus come in the clouds of heaven, and Ellen Dwight will be one of them, they are not the 144,000. But that's why sometimes she speaks as though she is with them. Okay. Another question is, why is the 144,000 called the first fruit? Did you see that from the Bible? Let's turn to Revelation chapter 14. Revelation chapter 14. And verse Four. These are they which were not defiled with woman, talking about the one hundred forty-four thousand, for they are virgins. These are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever He goes. These were redeemed from among men, being the first fruits unto God, and the Lamb. Okay. Why am I even answering this question? Because again. There is a teaching that the 144,000 is the first fruit. Therefore, they assume that there must be a second fruit, right? So, where are people going with this? Their reason is this. The 144,000 is the first fruit. They go out and preach the gospel to the world and bring the second fruit, which is the great multitude. But according to our study, it does not fit. You must know something. In the Bible, first not always means in chronological order. A classical exa- example is David. David was the youngest son, but yet the Bible called him the firstborn. Why? Because he had the right of the firstborn. You have Jesus Christ, is called the first fruit of the dead, but who was the first one that was raised from the dead? Moses. But Christ is the one that has the right. So be careful to assume things. When you make a doctrine like this, the 144,000 is the first fruit, therefore, there must be a second. You are assuming too much. The 144,000 is the first fruit. If you study about the first fruit in the Old Testament, it was a special offering for the priest. Do you remember when it says that the 144,000 will follow the Lamb wheresoever he go? And by the way, the Lamb is Jesus Christ, our high priest. The 144,000, Jesus Christ goes to another planet, the 144,000 goes. Jesus Christ comes to the earth, the 144,000 comes. They follow the Lamb wheresoever he goes. They are a special offering to Jesus Christ. If you really want a harvest, just see the context of chapter 14. What is the harvest there in chapter 14? Come with me there again. Let's do a contextual study. Revelation chapter 14. And verse 14. I have a few questions for you. A couple questions. And I looked and behold a white cloud and upon the cloud one set like unto the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand... A sharp sequel. Let's stop right here. Who is this man coming in the clouds of heaven having a golden crown implying that he's a king? Who is this man? Jesus. And what event is he describing when Jesus will come as a king having a sequel implying that he will harvest? What event is that? Second coming when Jesus will come from the clouds of heaven. So if you really want to see a harvest... You have the 144,000 first fruits, and then you have the resurrection from the dead. I see some of you kind of having a, a spiritual indigestion, but by God's grace, some of you got it. Any question? No, I didn't say that. Okay. Yeah. So, does God have all rights even all denominations? Yes, He does. Okay. So, are they want to be saved too. Yes, they will. Okay. So, um, the one forty four is not of the church; they're from a, a variety of denominations, In- including oh. Seventh Day Adventists. not only non-adventists, I believe some adventists will be at 144,000 and some of the 144,000 will come from all kind of background. I believe that. But remember, why it reduced so much the number? We saw the the shaking, right? And then we saw little children allowed to go to sleep. We saw sickly people die, right? We saw so many people will be martyrs. So we saw all this happening that decreased the number of the righteous in the last days. So when people come out of Babylon and they accept the three angels' message, guess what? They become spiritual Jews. They came out and they cross to God's side. Perhaps at that point, some of them will never worship with us in a building like this. Because one, once national Sunday law is passed and start to, to progress and be more rigid, rigid. How do you say? Yeah, more severe, right? Eventually, we will not walk through these doors on the Sabbath. God's people now is just like the righteous people that you know. Um, how do you say? Yeah, the righteous people. It's not like the building or the den- denomination, anything like this. Yeah. So, when they accept the three angels' uh, faith, they become spiritual Jews. Yeah. Can you repeat that? During the time of persecution, into the other denominations in Yeah, we are told in the spirit of prophecy yeah. that there are people that the angels will literally take by their hands. And they will preach the gospel in different places. And that is a very good question. Because I study over the years and honest that one portico will come from the Adventist Church. Will come. Which is the first truth, and the second truth, which is the mon- two, will come from the denomination mm. in the rest of the church. I personally okay. okay how I got to this conclusion there was a whole study showing that the 144,000 is sealed what is the next event according to the study the close of probation right and we saw that these 144,000 they are Jews and we broke down who are the spiritual Jews of the last days which is those that accept Christ by faith are circumcised in the heart not in the flesh right so based upon this we conclude that the 144,000 is all the righteous that will be alive when the sealing takes place and then probation is the next event. Is is that all right the microphone? Yeah? Okay. I like this question because the national Sunday law something is weird I just feel that. Well, there's somebody the Why is it Quick question about A special resurrection. Uh what stage does it take say, after uh probation is closed? Or yes. okay. uh, it it does sound like uh um, there'll be unrighteous people in that special resurrection, waiting in that second chance Say it again? It does sound like there'll be unrighteous people in that second resurrection to wait in that second chance. Yeah. Well, okay. There are two special resurrection, one of the weekend, those that preach Jesus. And then you have those that die in the face of the three angels' message, okay. yes. But it sounded like both of would come up at the same time. Okay. Based on Daniel said, I know we can't get the Bible to No, okay. Uh, it's like there is no second chance to do it. Exists. Not really, it's not to give them a second chance, actually. You know, Okay. Yeah, So, it's no more, you know, So, this is So, many in the earth So, this is Jesus' everlasting Yeah. So showing that there are two resurrections. One for life and one for condemnation. Yeah. Yeah. I don't believe the relevance is whether it is at the same time or not. The relevance here is there will be two special resurrections. One for life and the other for condemnation. Meaning, you know, once probation is called, every case has already been decided. They resurrect, and Jesus says very clearly, you will see the Son of Man coming. You know, for those that pierce him, you will see the Son of Man uh, sitting on the right hand of God. So Jesus Christ said, there is no second chance at that point. So they are resurrected for the nation, the resurrection of the nation. This is talk about the resurrection of those that pierced Jesus. Check Revelation chapter 1, verse 7. Let's follow over here, and then we proceed to our next question. Yeah. Uh, chapter 1 and verse 7. Behold, he cometh with a cloud, talking about Jesus, how many eyes?